Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to follow the stats, storylines, players, tournaments, everything that's going on in the world of professional volleyball. Today I am going to preview the fifth and final group stage of the Volleyball Nations League on the men's side. And while most things are pretty sorted, some races for final six spots and for relegation spots are going to come down to the last few days. So it's going to be a very exciting weekend. Looking forward to watching a lot of volleyball. I'm also later on in the podcast going to preview the Volleyball Challengers Cup, which if you didn't know is the tournament that you have to win to get in to the Volleyball Nations League. So whoever wins that will replace probably either Portugal or Australia, whoever ends up coming in last place after this weekend. So as usual, let's go group by group, pool by pool, and look at the interesting matchup storylines for each pool. Also, as I alluded to last podcast, I did do a little bit of math to see what possibilities that each team has for either making the final six or missing it. So pool 17 has Australia, Argentina, China and Russia. I think the most interesting part of this pool is Australia because they are currently tied with Portugal at the bottom of the standings among the challenger teams with only two wins and 10 losses. And Australia has a really good chance to pick up not an easy win but definitely one of their easier wins against China. China currently in last place in the entire league. In my opinion, Definitely looks even a tier below Australia. They really haven't been able to get anything going this tournament so far. They are dead last in the Nations League in terms of their sets won percentage with 18.9%. Australia is almost double that at 36. These numbers courtesy of Mark Lebedew, the Australian coach who posts personal stats on his blog at home on the court. Australia are also the hosts of this round, playing at home in Brisbane, and they also have opposite Paul Carroll returning to the team. Paul Carroll definitely the, probably the best player involved with Australian volleyball right now. However, he is coming in at a position of strength for Australia. He will be playing over Lincoln Williams, who was easily Australia's best wing already. So not a huge increase in value. It would have been more useful if they had a really good outside coming in, but still... He's a really good leader on the team, been with the Australian national team program for a long time, so no doubt he will improve their chances even further. Argentina doesn't really have a lot at stake in this round of the Nations League. They're not a challenger team, so they won't get relegated, and they're too good to have been relegated, even if they had been a challenger team. And while it's pretty much impossible for them to make Final Six still, there is still one specific crazy scenario which they do make Final Six, and The following would have to happen. Italy would need to lose all three games in their pool against Canada, Brazil, and France. So I guess that part's kind of realistic. Poland also needs to lose all three of their games against Portugal, Japan, and Germany, which is pretty unlikely that Poland, even with a B-team lineup, would lose to all three of those teams. Even, Even losing to two of them, probably unlikely. And then Canada would need to lose both their games against Brazil and France but also beat Italy because Italy would have needed to lose all three games. So that's, I think, the only scenario where Argentina can make it to the final six. So it's pretty much over for Argentina. I don't see that series of events taking place. It would be pretty crazy if it did. But Argentina right now 
just playing to get more training in. They're going to have a bit of a break now between the end of Nations League and the start of the Olympic qualifications tournaments on August 8th, where they will be playing Canada, Finland, and China. They have a pretty decent shot at making it out of that group, so definitely the focus will be on that tournament. China, nothing really to play for. Their Nations League has been a bit of a disaster. I think I, I expected them to be near the bottom, but I didn't expect them to look this bad while doing it. They've been the worst offensive and defensive team in the tournament, in my opinion. I thought their players had a little bit more talent than this, unfortunately. So they're in that group with Canada and Argentina and Finland in the Olympic qualifiers. So they are also unlikely to make it out of that. They're going to have to rely on the continental tournaments in January, probably, to have any chance of making the Olympics. And likely Iran will be in that tournament too, as they are in the same pool as Russia in the Olympic mini tournament qualifiers in August. So tough road for China to the Olympics, for sure. And for Russia, two or three wins would guarantee them a spot in the final six. They're sitting at nine and three right now. Two wins should be more than manageable with Australia and China in their pool. Although, who knows, Australia playing at home against what is likely going to be a slightly depleted Russian roster. We're not exactly sure who their six they're sending yet are, but any roster Russia sends is going to be strong. However, if they only win one game in this pool, things start to become a bit dicier. There's still a few scenarios where they do go through with only one win in their pool. One of those is if France loses all three of their games and then Poland loses two or three of their games in their pool. Again, Poland losing those two games. Kind of unlikely, but we will see. An easier path, though, is if Italy, if they only win one, Italy loses one or two games in their pool, Russia would be ahead of them. Or if Poland loses one or two games, Russia would be ahead of them. So basically, they need Poland and Italy not to go 3-0 and in their respective pools if they only win one game. And even if they somehow manage to lose all three games in this pool, very unlikely, but they still have a chance to go through if Italy or Poland loses all three of their games and Canada loses two of the games in their pool. But Russia, definitely more than likely to make the final six. The next pool, Pool 18, has got to be one of the most exciting and competitive pools of the entire tournament so far. The teams are Brazil, Italy, Canada, and France, all playing in Brazil. Probably the most talented pool, four really, really strong teams, four of the top eight teams in the tournament. And they are playing in Brazil's home soil in what looks like to be a pretty huge stadium in Brasilia. And we know that the Brazilian crowd is one of the most insane crowds, if not the craziest in volleyball, maybe up there with Iran and Poland. So they're going to be cheering hard. And all three of these teams are desperate for wins right now. All three will definitely want to take a chip at Brazil. But Brazil sending pretty much their strongest lineup possible here. The only guy they're missing from what is likely going to be their Olympic starting lineup is Wallace. So the rest of the guys, Ricardo Lucarelli, Yoandri Leal, Lucas Satkamp, Isaac Santos, Mauricio Souza, Tales Haas, and Mike Reyes, Bruno, and even Alan Souza at opposite, who, while he's no Wallace, he's not exactly a scrub himself. But Brazil is there just to entertain because they have already guaranteed their spot in the final six, 11 and 1 on the tournament so far. Although they have had a lot of five setters, four wins, and 
Shockingly, their only loss has been to Serbia of all teams in five sets. Italy playing this tournament without Osmani Wantarena, Ivan Zaitsev, and Filippo Lanza, and Massimo Calacci have actually done really well. 8-4 is their record so far. However, to this final group stage, they will not be sending Simone Giannelli, who has been arguably, in my opinion, the best player of the tournament so far, has absolutely propelled this group of young Italian players to basically all of them playing their best volleyball I've seen them play. Really impressive stuff from him. They will also be missing their opposite, Gabriele Nelli, who was, was on pace to be one of the Nations League highest scorers before he missed the last group with an abdominal injury. So two of Italy's best players will be missing in action in the most important group stage for them so far. Really tough opponents they will have to face. Riccardo Spertoli and Luca Spirito will fill in for Gianelli. Both pretty good setters, both starting on fairly good Italian clubs in the Superliga, but pretty much anyone you get will be a pretty significant downgrade on Gianelli. And then Julio Pinale, who actually looked pretty good last weekend playing in a home crowd in Milan, will be replacing Gabriele Nelli. So Italy, in my opinion, will definitely be sending the weakest roster to this event. However, they could still manage to get a couple of wins and they have multiple ways of getting into the final six even still. One way is, same with most teams, if they win all three games, they will be in the final six for sure. 11 wins seems to be about that magic number where you are probably going to make the final round. If they win two games, it gets a bit dicier. If either France or Russia loses three and Italy wins two, they will go through to the finals. As I mentioned earlier though, Russia in a pool with China, Argentina, and Australia, so them going winless, pretty unlikely. If Italy wins two and Poland loses one in their pool, Italy will have the better points record. Italy with 25 points, Poland with 21 points. For those of you who don't know, you get three points for a 3-0 or 3-1 victory, two points for a 3-2 victory, one point for a 2-3 loss, and then no points for a sweep or a 1-3 loss. So if Poland and Italy both win two games, even if Italy wins 3-2 both games and Poland sweeps both their wins, there's still no way Poland can catch Italy. So that makes it sound like Italy was actually favored to go through to the final six. However, you have to remember that Italy's playing against Canada, Brazil, and France, while Poland is playing against much weaker teams in Portugal, Japan, and Germany. France is in a very similar situation to Russia. Basically, if they win two or three of their matches over the weekend, they will be through to the final six. If they win one and Russia loses three, they will be through again, Russia losing three unlikely. If they win only one game and Poland loses one or two games, they will likely be through as well, having a much higher point total than Poland. And like Russia, they can still make it through even with no wins if Italy and Poland both lose three and Canada doesn't leapfrog them by winning most of their matches as well. But like Russia, France is pretty likely to go through, although they do have a more competitive pool full of teams that are really, really gunning to win. So I think they have a higher chance of Russia to lose three games and miss the final six. And then the last team in the pool, Canada. Of course, Canada has to continue its tradition from last year's 
Nations League and World Championships finish just outside the final six. That's what's most likely going to happen, playing in this really tough pool. Those losses against Serbia and Bulgaria earlier in the Nations League are really going to cost them because the scenarios in which they go through to the final six are pretty unlikely. There are a few, though. It is possible. So let's go through them. If Canada wins all three of their matches and Italy and Poland both lose all three of their matches, Canada is through to the final six. If Canada wins all three matches and then Italy and Poland both lose two matches and Poland can even only lose one match and Canada still has a chance to get through as they will likely have the tiebreaker in terms of points. That's probably the easiest way for Canada to get through. However, winning all three matches in this pool, especially against France and Brazil, will be extremely difficult. Canada also gets a bit more leeway if France or Russia lose all three games. Probably not going to happen, though. And then there is one scenario where Canada goes through if they only win two out of three games. If they win two and one of those wins is against Italy, Italy loses both against France and against Brazil. And then Poland loses at least two of their matches, then Canada will somehow be able to sneak into the final six. But that's the only scenario I could come up with where they get through if they only win two of their matches. But a lot of that could be out the window already on Friday when Canada plays Italy. Canada, by the way, rolling with their best lineup, except for no TJ Sanders. It might be that his recovery is not going fully on schedule, or perhaps they just don't care about winning Nations League enough to, you know, risk not having him in tournaments later this summer. Anyway, it's too bad he can't play because he would have improved their chances quite a bit. Pool number 19, definitely the least interesting pool of this round. Basically nothing to fight for for any of these teams of Bulgaria, Iran, Serbia, and the Americans. Bulgaria with four wins is already comfortably enough ahead, I think, to not risk getting relegated. They're also playing at home, so probably with a pretty good roster. Bulgarian fans, maybe not the craziest in the world, but definitely show a ton of support when it's the Bulgarians playing. A lot of national pride. Iran thought they were guaranteed a final six spot after last week when they sat some of their best players against France, but they were mistaken. There is still a slight, slight possibility that Iran misses the final six Incredibly unlikely, though. They would need to lose all three games in this pool, which definitely shouldn't happen. And then France would need to beat Brazil and Canada and lose to Italy. Those specific events in that pool would need to happen. So Iran, with just one win, can guarantee their spot in the final six. And I hope they do. They've had a great tournament so far. It'd be really crushing to see it all fall apart right at the end, especially they would definitely regret making that math mistake last weekend and not playing at their full strength against France. Serbia's young guys, I think, have played better than a lot of people expected. They've had a few of the regular national team starters, including Luzanac, Luberic, and Jovovic, join the team at points in the tournament, but mostly it's been a very untested group as far as Serbian national team players go. And you know what? They did better than a lot of teams fielding some of their starting and stronger lineups. So definitely nothing to be ashamed of, even if 5-7, and seven, not where the Serbian national team typically stands. And they've been the only one to beat Brazil so far, so 
That's definitely something to be proud about. Well done to the young Serbian guys. The Americans have decided to keep their entire finals roster in Chicago and send basically what is a slightly better version of their Pan Am Cup team over to Bulgaria. That means no Aaron Russell, no Taylor Sander, no Matt Anderson, no Micah Christensen, no Eric or Kawika Shoji, no Max Holt, and no David Smith. So a lot of America's best players are sitting. However, the guys they're sending, you know, they, they could definitely stand a chance against the other teams here. We've got Jendrick and Avril in the middle, TJ DeFalco and Thomas Jaski, who returned his first weekend back from his ACL injury last weekend. Ben Patch and Kyle Russell, the opposite position. Micah Ma on Tuniga setting. And then Dustin Wadden, always willing to travel with the team as their libero. And I mean, it kind of makes sense for them to sit a lot of guys in Chicago. It's kind of convenient that that fourth round was in the Hoffman Estates, which, if you didn't know, is just a suburb about 45 minutes outside of Chicago. So those guys can train, rest, don't have to put that extra travel on their body, basically get three weeks to train and prepare for the final six, where I still think there will be a very dangerous threat. The only person I'm unsure of is Aaron Russell, who we have not seen at the entire VNL so far. He played right up until the end of Trentino's playoff run, but we know he's a guy who's always having some nagging injuries. I mean, he's 6'10", playing outside, really athletic, so not the most ideal body type for avoiding injuries, unfortunately. So we'll see if he joins the team in Chicago for the final six, if he's too rusty, maybe. Potentially, we could see TJ DeFalco take his place. Honestly, I'm fine with that. TJ DeFalco, incredible player, really high volleyball IQ, proved in this tournament, I think, that he is ready for the big leagues, ready to play for Team USA at the highest level. Then again, we could also see Thomas Jaski. I don't think his play last weekend like was really definitive in terms of whether he is fully recovered or not. I think this weekend, hopefully, will reveal a little bit more about his status. I've already alluded to the last group a couple of times, but it contains Germany, Japan, Portugal, and Poland playing in Germany. So Germany, Japan, nothing really to fight for. They are both core teams. And interestingly enough, neither of them are participating in the Olympic qualification tournaments. Japan, as the host, is already qualified. Germany, due to some weird situations with the FIVB in some past tournaments, is ranked uncharacteristically low and therefore did not get seeded in the Olympic qualification tournaments. For Portugal, like Australia, they are fighting for their life at the bottom of the challenger standings. Canada and Bulgaria are safe, so Portugal will desperately be seeking a win against Japan, Germany, and Poland. Australia has probably an easier pool than them to get wins in. Portugal probably wishes they could play China again right about now. But still, Germany and Japan, definitely beatable teams for the Portuguese. The Polish might be a bit tougher. But after Portugal worked so hard to get into the Nations League and got pretty lucky along the way too, not sure if they could repeat it, it would be a real shame for them to drop out. Poland is an interesting case because I'm not sure how bad they even want to make the final six in Nations League. I think Vital Hainan to the Polish media said he might keep all his best players in Poland for training if they made final six and just send a uh, B or C team over to Chicago to compete. So 
If that's the case, I actually hope they don't make the final six because that makes things a lot less interesting. But given their depth, Poland could pretty much send anyone to this fifth round and still take a few wins off these teams. Like Italy, if they win three matches in their pool, they're guaranteed to get that 11 wins and qualify for the final six. If they win two, they get through if Italy loses two matches or if France or Russia loses three matches. However, for Poland, losing a match is pretty risky because they played in so many five-set matches. They have a low point total, so they, they would likely lose the tiebreaker against Canada if they win three matches, against Italy if they win two matches, or against France or Russia if either of those teams only win one match. So Poland definitely needs to bank on winning all three of their games. For sure possible for Poland, they have a pretty easy pool. Lots of winnable games here, but they are not sending their best lineup. Komenda and Janish are their setters. Machi Muzai and Kazmarek are the opposites. Norbert Huber, Karl Klosch, and Matej Biniak are their middles, so still still some really good middles there. And then Alex Slivka, Fornal, Bednorz, and Lukashik are the outside hitters. Again, even though there's no Kubiak, that's still a pretty dangerous lineup. And then Wojtaszek is their libero so poland is in control of their own destiny but nothing is guaranteed if they start dropping matches against these other teams so overall probably five of the six teams in the final six are more than likely to make it through and those teams are brazil usa iran france and russia and then the last spot will come down to italy and poland with canada as a small outside shot to make it, or maybe Argentina with a next to impossible shot to make it. So it will be interesting to see which of those scenarios plays out. We'll probably learn a lot more after the first day of action on Friday. A lot of those scenarios will probably be eliminated. So Friday is going to be a really fun day to watch volleyball. Also the battle for relegation between Portugal and Australia is going to come down to the wire as well. And the battle to figure out who's going to replace Portugal or Australia is starting on July 3rd, going through to July 7th, and that's the FIVB Challenger Cup, which kind of functions as a mini group two from the former World League, but with only six teams. These teams had to qualify through continental championships which in Europe's case was the European Golden League, which qualified Turkey and Belarus. Also, Slovenia, as the hosts, are also competing in the tournament. Cuba qualified through Norseca. Egypt qualified through Africa. And then, if I'm reading the qualification process correctly, the winner of the South American League and the Asian League were to play a playoff match. However, Asia did not send anyone to this playoff match, so... Chile as the winners in South America are also competing. So those are the six teams. And of course, in typical FIVB fashion, one pool is a lot stronger than the other. Slovenia and Turkey are competing in Pool A with Chile. And then in Pool B, we have Belarus, Cuba, and Egypt. So Turkey being the winners of the European Golden League, where they beat Belarus in three straight sets in the finals. Personally, I think the Netherlands was the second strongest team in that league. However, they played a really poor game against Belarus in the semifinals, unfortunately. Turkey has a very strong roster, though. 
Burite Subasi was one of their strongest players during the European Golden League. He's been a great player for Hawkbeg Ankara over the last few years, but I don't know if he's ever put it together for a run like this. However, my favorite player to watch on Turkey has got to be Addis Lagumzija. If you don't already know who he is, you will know soon enough. The hyper-athletic 20-year-old opposite from Turkey, really fun guy to watch, kind of a contortionist in the air, super stretchy, really athletic, gets up for his blocks, likes to make highlight plays, and just gets better every time I see him play. He's definitely going to be dangerous. However, this wasn't Turkey's typical strongest lineup competing in this tournament, so we'll see if guys like Emery Batur or Faik Samet Goons will be returning for this tournament. However, even given the strength of Turkey's roster, Slovenia is definitely the team to beat. They actually probably should have been in the Volleyball Nations League the first year it happened because they were the winners of Group 2 in 2017, beating Japan in the finals. And if World League still existed in 2018, they would have been in the 12-team Group 1. They ended up finishing in 12th at the World Championships, and I thought they could have placed even better. I don't think they were playing at their best there. They have so many good players. Tine Ernaut has been a star of Modena for the past two seasons, playing in China next year. Alan Pajenk and Jan Kozomernik, excellent middle players. Mitya Gasparini playing opposite, or even Tonchek Stern as his backup are both players with a lot of international experience. Clemens Seboule, another super athletic wing player, played in China and also in Milano last year. So they're pretty much set. At every position, they've got guys who've played professionally in Italy. They've got guys who play professionally in Poland. They've got guys who are getting those sweet, sweet Asian money contracts. So they have guys definitely competing at the top levels of the volleyball world. And if they send anything even close to their top lineup, I think they're going to take this pretty easily. Chile is also in this pool, and I'm not going to BS you guys and say that I've watched a ton of Team Chile play volleyball. Pretty much none of their players have played at all outside of Chile at high-level clubs anywhere in the world, so tough to get a good read on a lot of them. However, Dusan Bonacic, their captain at only 24 years old, has played in Italy for Lube Civitanova. He's played in Argentina for several teams, so he's an outside player who definitely has a lot of experience, and if there's anyone who's going to be able to have Chile finish above expectations, it's definitely going to be him. Pool B doesn't have a standout team like Pool A. Probably Turkey or Slovenia would have won this pool, but it should be pretty even between these three teams in Belarus, Cuba, and Egypt. We saw Cuba finish in 18th place at the last World Championships. Honestly, you never really know who's going to show up for Cuba. They usually field a very young team because the current rules stipulate if you go overseas and play club volleyball, you are no longer allowed to play with the Cuban national team, although that is starting to change. We're starting to see guys be able to come back. But at the World Championships, they had a young roster with guys like Yonder Garcia, Osniel Hernandez, Miguel Gutierrez. Very good players, very, very athletic team, but didn't really have the depth of experience as some of the other teams. However, maybe with another year under their belt, they will be a lot more dangerous, although you never know Again, who, who's even going to play for Cuba? Egypt, another team that usually has all of their players playing domestically. It'll be interesting to see what kind of team they field for the Challenger Cup, whether they will send some of their veteran players like Ahmed Abelde, or whether 
they will send some of their younger guys. Kind of like Cuba, Egypt always has some guys who are absolutely ripping the ball, hitting very hard, but maybe doesn't have the ball skills of some of the countries at the top of the rankings. Belarus, the second place team in the Challenger Cup, would probably be better if some of their best players weren't playing for Russia in Igor Kliuka and Alexander Butko. But in their place, they had Radzivan Miskovic, who is playing on Sora in the Italian Superliga next year. Didn't have his best tournament playing in the Eurovolley, but it was enough for them to qualify for the Challenger Cup. Andrei Radziuk and Pavel Kuklinski were also key contributors to Belarus in their European Golden League run. So this Pool B should be interesting to watch because it can really go any way. I don't think one of these teams stands significantly above any of the others. However, I do think that whichever teams win this pool and match up against Slovenia and Turkey will probably lose to those teams. We'll have to see though. All right, it's time for the end of the podcast. I have to go watch the Canada women's team go play in the Women's Challenger Cup. Canada with a chance to qualify for the 2019 Women's Nations League playing against Chinese Taipei right now. Looks like they got it in the bag. So hopefully Canada will be participating in that tournament. They have a lot of really strong players, a lot of great athletes coming out of the NCAA and Canadian Youth Sports program, including Autumn Bailey, Shina Joseph, and Kira Van Rijk. So excited to see what they can do in the future. Anyway, I hope you guys have a good weekend of watching volleyball. Friday is going to be insane with all the implications that it has. Canada versus Italy, Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, going to be really fun. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks.